how it was, but I mean, we scored we scored twenty two points in that season. That's not bad. Which was that's which that's was cool. fabulous, given yeah. that um, you know, obviously there was only you only got points up to sixth place back in those days. McLaren had got the whole thing tied up. Uh, Williams were running the Judd engine, but they didn't run it as well as we did. You know, I think they'd got other problems with the car, but that eight eight one that Adrian had, uh, had designed was one hell of a car, you know, and um, it sort of passed into passed into folklore a little bit that season because, you know, we actually was the only car, I think, that got in front of a McLaren for the whole season, and that was at Suzuka. And albeit, albeit for 200 yards or whatever it was down the main straight, but that and was that worth... Was, that was um, Capelli and that, Gujami? That was, yeah, yeah, it was Capelli and Gujami, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, that in Japan, leading the race in Japan in front of Honda was absolutely gold dust for, for Leighton House. You know, it, you, you, you couldn't have... You couldn't have. There wasn't enough money to buy that publicity that because we Leighton got for House doing was a that. Japanese company, is that right? It was what? Sorry, Leighton House was a Japanese company. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was owned by a guy called Akira Akagi, who'd made. Um, he'd made lots of money in in lots of different ways, but a lot of it was, uh, you know property and shares and things like that. He made himself an incredibly wealthy guy. Um, but but Leighton House was was essentially a fashion house. Um, and but the, the big the big thing that they had was was actually the colour of the car. Yeah. And the and the and the whole presentation and the colour of the of our team gear and all the merchandise and everything like that. It it mm. just stood out Absolutely. above anybody else, you know. It spot it a mile off. You could, you could. Um, and I mean, you know, the, at the end of the season in Adelaide, I mean, we all, we all used to, we'd, we'd sell all our team gear. We, you know, they had, the, they had the, the, the sort of like the market sale at the, uh, after the race. And we used to get big dollars for our team gear because some of the teams weren't allowed to sell it. I mean, McLaren, I mean, Ron, Ron Dennis used to do his nut about it. M- uh, McLaren, Ferrari and that, they weren't allowed to sell their gear. But we sold all of ours and some. I mean, I remember in eight, at the end of 88, I mean, we'd been selling all this this stuff. And I mean, you know, we, we were making thousands of dollars and we'd run out of gear. We'd just run out of stuff. And anyway, Capelli comes walking over. Um, to see what's going on. And, of course, one or two people start, you know, saying, how much for Capelli? Well, I actually took 50 Aussie dollars for him, and we got <laughs> hold of him. That was cheap. We, well, yeah. Well, it, yeah, but it, it, it was fair, fair for him. So we got hold of him, and, and we slung him in the crowd <laughs> over the pit wall. But... Pelly was Ivan was that sort of guy. He was he, he's the best driver I've ever worked with. You know, he was he was a humble, lovely, lovely chap. 
and at that time he was a, he was a damn quick driver as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, listen, just going back to your um, end of season sale. Yeah, uh, I, I've heard of a couple of guys telling me that uh, same thing at um, last race, and they would even sell body parts from the cars. Oh God, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm pushing forward a little bit. I mean, in in '91 when I was with um, with Brabham. Uh, you know, working for Yamaha, but um, I'd looked after Mark Blundell's helmet for for the whole season, and I, I would prep his helmet and I'd do the visors and and uh, you know on on race morning I'd do all the tear offs for him and everything like that. But I kept hold of all the of all the visors for the whole season, and I'd got about fifty, and I'd put them in one of the pack horses to uh to go out to australia and um good thinking uh, yeah but yeah you know i was an entrepreneur (laughs) (laughs) that or a blagger or whichever way you want to put it but um but i sat i sat mark in the corner of of the garage with um with a with a marker pen and i got i got him to sign every single one of those visors and um and I sold a lot over the pit wall, about 50, 50 of them for about, I don't know, $50 a piece. And but they, it, was, it was good money. And what, what, it, what it always was for, you know, the, for us guys, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, we, we, got, we earned a reasonable wage for doing what we, what we did. But uh, it was more of a, I mean, certainly with Lake Nouse and everything, it was more the, the, the absolute fun aspect of it. I mean, You'd, you'd, you'd had teams in the past, sort of like I think teams like Hesketh had probably been one of the the real party teams, you know, from from the seventies. But bringing it forward, Leighton House certainly took that up to another level. And um, but yeah, we uh, but the one of the reasons really for selling all this gear was it, it was our holiday money for the end of the season. Because if we, you know, if we were in Australia or something like that, I mean, everybody would disappear to, to you know, you'd have a holiday. I mean, I remember my missus and kids flying out to Florida um, at the end of the, I think it was the 89 season or something. But I'd sold a load of gear over the pit wall and that paid for a two-week holiday in Florida. Yeah, so it was a free holiday. Yeah, it was what it was, you know, it was just... And, and we'd always have um, the, the mechanics would always moan about, you know, what the truckies were up to, but that was truckies' perks, you know. You know, it's, uh, you, you live by our rules on the road, guys. So. That's right. Otherwise, you don't get there. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's eighty eighty nine. Am I right? 88, 89? Yeah. 80, yeah. 88, 89. Yeah. Um, I mean, we went to, um, I mean, first off in January in 89, we went off testing to Rio because um, obviously, you know, there wasn't just one three-day test in Barcelona before, uh, the, you know, in the cold and wet. You used to go and you used to chase the sun and Goodyear would always put their tyre test on in Rio. Uh, and so we, we'd go for two or three weeks in Rio um, in, in January, which, 
you know, was was absolutely fabulous. I mean, the cars would just be, you know, running round all day long. And, uh, you know, I, I think we remember most of it, but not a lot because it was good to go out in Rio. Because in the early sort of 70s, the equivalent would have been South Africa, I think. Something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know. I mean, certainly before. I mean, this is one of the things when I said, um, "How did I get into it with Goodyear?" I always remember my my pal who'd been there before. I'd see him. You know, we'd go for a beer maybe in February or something, and uh, we'd meet in the pub, and he'd always have the most fantastic suntan. <laughs> Because he spent the, he'd spent the whole of January in Rio, yeah. And so to get to get a bone deep suntan in February, you know. And I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of carried on with that as well because I'd, I'd come back from Rio or wherever we'd been, and I'm, I've, you know, I'd always got a tan, but I'd make sure that I go down the pub, uh, you know, in in midwinter, in a like white in t-shirt, a, yellow. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Used to highlight it even better. <laughs> but no, that was um, no, it, it, it was one. It was one of those things. I mean, I, I lived in a, I lived in a little, you know, mining village, really, in the Black Country in the Midlands. Um, and we'd been to we'd been to Singapore, and. Um, I'd bought some some dodgy Lacoste shirts, you know, fifty p each or whatever they were, and I brought brought them back. And of course, I'd got you know this this suntan and everything. And um, I said, um, "Does anybody want any low cost shirts? Sorry, Lacoste Lacoste shirts." Yeah. Yeah. And um, of course, the, the black country guys being what they were, they said, well, what, what's that? What's this bloody low-cost shirt you've got on? You know? <laughs> you know, and they'd never they'd never heard of the damn things, you know, and he's me trying to, to flog, um, you know, the height of fashion, albeit knocked off from Singapore. You know? Yeah, it's but, um, Oh, yeah. I mean, just just good times. But, um, but yeah, m- moving forward, as I say, in 89... We did the tyre test. We went back out to Rio for the race. And we took the um, – because the, the new car wasn't ready. And also in Rio, it was, all, it was always difficult to, to try and run new cars because you're so far from, from home. Um, mo- most teams didn't have, like, enough spares to, to watch it. So you'd take the old car over there because it was, a, it was also a known quantity. So um, – and we managed to get um, third place at that one. Um, it was it was Nigel's first race for Ferrari. And of course, he, he won that one. Uh, Prost, Prost came second, and Guzelman got third. And there was, there's always um, a, an image of that. I mean, we went up to the podium to uh, you know to see the ceremony, and Nigel held up this fantastic ornate trophy that he'd won. And um, he cut his hand on it. And I think we, we always think what happened was he, he probably got a blister off one of the, um, you know, driving the car, off his gear stick hand or something. And I think this the sharp edge on this uh, on this trophy cut, cut his hand. Well, Nigel, being Nigel, made a, 
massive deal of it, and he was staggering around the podium holding his hand. And yeah, there was there was blood blood on his hand. But I'll always remember Guzelmin looking across at Prost and just doing a hand gesture. That's all I'll say. The hand. The hand gesture. <laughs> and he did that on the podium. And I doubt if there's ever any um, any any footage of it anywhere. I'll have, yeah, have to look on YouTube afterwards and see if I can find it. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think there is. But, yeah, he gave... <laughs> he, Morris, he just looked over at Prost and gave him the hand gesture behind Nigel's back. So... <laughs> Brilliant. But, um, but but yeah, after that, I mean, we went on. We obviously, came back, went went into Europe, did a few races. But then it was it started getting a little bit. Um, we brought the new car out, the eight nine one, and we had hellish problems. I, th- I I can't remember whether it was introduced at Imola or uh, or somewhere like that. Um, but that was an Adrian. It was pr- car, wasn't it? Sorry, was that right? Was that an Adrian Newey car? Yeah, yeah, it was an, another Adrian car. Yeah, but he, he, he sort of he, he refined the. Um, this you know, this the, was, yeah. was really thin. It was, was really not... thin. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I've I actually sat in the thing a few weeks ago at Donington. Um, there's a picture on my on my Facebook and that with me in it, um, and I'd forgotten actually how small that car was. Because um, bearing in mind, I used to spend hour upon hour, sat in that car on the setup plate, sort of like on a Saturday night, because I was exactly the same height and same weight as Capelli. So I was like the ballast in the car. Um, again, just winding back, I mean, we were at Monza and we were on this, we was on this setup patch, on the flat patch. And I'd been in this car for about four hours. And... Um, you know the engineers were were doing all the setups and doing the corner weights, and what they used to do was fit a fit a bar on the front of the nose cone and on the rear of the gearbox, and then run um, run a fishing line around it, and then you'd measure off the, the the cambers on the wheels and the casters and everything like that, all the corner weights and that. Well, we've been hours doing this bloody thing, and um, I remember the. Um, Ivan's engineer, a guy called Tim Holloway. I was sat in this car and uh, they were struggling with these corner weights. Anyway, Holloway said to me, he says, Ed, he says, um, are you sat square in this car? You know, so I'm not leaning one side or another and putting the weights out. I said, yeah, I said, I'm sat, sat square in the car. And he said, um, and which side do you dress? I said, I don't think... I says, I don't think which side I dress. And being, you know, the, the, the size I am, I says, I don't think it's going to make a lot of bloody difference to the corner weights, Tim. Anyway, the following, the following day, um, we went out, to, went out to the race. Anyway, Capelli had qualified about sixth, fifth, sixth, something like that. Went, went, started, the race started and um, it went down to the first chicane and banged wheels with somebody. And um, as it turned out, he, he bent the suspension arm on the car. So Ivan has actually spent the whole race a bit like that, going straight. 
So he gets back, and we get, and I think he finished fifth. Uh, we get back and get the car out of Park Ferme, and um, I, I said to Ivan, I said, Ivan, have you seen the suspension on your car? And it was like this. He says, Ah, he says, he says, I couldn't see it. He says, I thought something was funny. It felt funny, and he'd driven the whole seventy laps or whatever like yeah. this. And that's how, that's how, yeah, and that's how the drivers drove around problems. Of course, of you course. know they, were, they, they yeah. didn't complain to the to the pit wall and the you know the guys on the perch saying, "Oh, this ain't right, that ain't right." You just drove around it and did and did the job. You know? And of course, uh, fast forward to now, Ed. Yeah. If you had that suspension part now, it'd be worth a ton, worth a fortune. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tra- I mean, we had... trapped in the king, wasn't it? Well, it, it probably was, you know. I must admit, I, you know, that tyre that blew up from Nigel, I mean, um, I, I wish I'd owned that one. Oh, yeah, too right. You know, I, th- I think that was, that, I think that was packed up in a, Packed up in a black bag and sent straight back to Akron. That's right. That's right. So, um, but yeah, was, uh, I, I, so, so I said, I said to somebody after one of the other fitters, he said, um, I says, what happened with that tire and that? He says, he says, didn't you hear? I said, no. He says, oh, there was a sniper in the crowd. Oh, please. He says, he says as Nigel was going by, he said he shot it. <laughs> he says, Silly sod. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, we as I say, you know, back to back to eighty nine. I, I remember um, the the eight nine one was was having a hell of a lot of trouble, um, and we spent we got to Monaco, and and we set up down there, and uh, I, I think we we did the Tuesday night, Wednesday night were all nighters, and we were having pro- problems. Um, Getting the engine to mate up with the with the tub, and and the fuel we had problems with the fuel pump drive and all that kind of thing. But anyway, we did all all nighters on the Tuesday, all nighters on the Wednesday, ran the cars on Thursday, which you do in Monaco. Had a load of problems then, and then we had another all nighter down the tip top on the Thursday night. Um, so consequently, we were all we were all pretty wrecked and. Uh, you know, I I know I was. I'd been burning the candle at both ends and in the middle, um, and I sort of um, I think on the Friday again because you, you're not you're not running the cars Friday. Uh, I think I went for a bit of a kip in the uh, in the tractor unit, and one of the one of the guys when he got back to the uh, I know who it was, but anyway, we got back to the factory and he'd had a He'd had a bit of a moan about one of the truckies being asleep on the job sort of thing. Well, that was me. And um, I think because the cars, because we'd been, we'd always got away with um, being a bit of a party team and what have you. While While the cars were doing well, that was okay. But I think when it started to get a little bit more serious, the cars weren't running well. I think we had to be seen to be sort of at least making a bit of an effort. And, um, yeah, I, and and so basically I, I got bumped off the race team. And um, after that, I, I gave my neck with it because the whole, the whole point of me 
being in motor racing was um, was to travel. I wasn't in, in, interested in you know being the spares man back in the factory or something like that. Suited a lot of people, but not for me because. I lived a long way away from the factory as well. So consequently, driving 80 or 90 mile a day to work, that wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, I had, a, we had a, I had a chat with Ian Phillips and we agreed, he agreed to part company, you know. So, um, so again, I was looking for another job. Um, and a pal of mine was running, um, who, who I'd been at Trasadi with, uh, Middlebridge, uh, lad called Martin Angeloni. He says, We've got a job at uh, Bromley Motorsport if you want one. We need a truckie. Um, and they just they just won the uh, British or the, well, the, now the European Championship in F3000 with Roberto Moreno. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so they were running a car in the British F3000. Um, and I went along and, and did the rest of the season with that. And actually, that's the only championship I've ever been involved with that we've won. So there were, there were only, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, a huge grid. And um, we, had a, we had a driver, you know, we had um, one of the Brabham's driving the car. And uh, yeah, Gary. Ch- yeah, it was Gary Brabham, yeah. Um, and so we, you know, we won the championship, and then, um, of course, you, you come to the end of the season. I mean, it's certainly, certainly in Formula Three Thousand, what you have to start doing then is is looking for drivers with a budget for the following season. Yeah, of course. And um, and uh, you know, as Bromley had got a, a pretty decent reputation. Obviously, we win in the championship with Moreno, so a few. The, a few drivers came along. Um, some of them, you know, most of them never had the full money. Uh, they never did. Oh, of course not. But you, so you, you, you're testing, you're testing drivers like um, I remember Volker Weidler, uh, Michael Bartels, um, off the top of my head, I can't remember who else. But uh, but yeah, so I got the, for the following year. Um, I can't quite remember how it came up now, but I think I think it might have been another autosport thing because the the, the Bromley thing had, had kind of you know run out of steam and, and you know being a small little team they couldn't afford to to keep paying you just just on the hope of getting a, a reasonable paying driver in. So it was back to the autosport pages of, of jobs, and I spotted this one for a truckie for Nissan the Group C team. Um, once again, I, I thought, well, you know, what's Group C? I mean, I knew it was Le Mans and everything like that, but I didn't have a great deal of experience of, of Group C. But I went down and um, met uh, Dave Price um, and Ian Sanders, who, who was who was running the team and that. But uh, so the next thing you know, I'm I'm working for... Nissan in Group C, and we did the I did the whole season with that. Um, Who are you driving for that? Saying that, well, it's Mark Blundell, Julian Bailey, um, Gianfranco Brancatelli, and oh, who was the other one? Kenny Aitchison. Okay, two cars. Yeah, two cars, two cars. The RG ninety 
Um, again, hugely, hugely powerful car. And of course, the, the highlight of, of that season was Mark getting a pole at Le Mans um, by about six seconds, you know, um, which was, you know, it was far and away. That's a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, that, that, was, that was a huge gap. Um, and, and certainly against all the, um, you know, the, the factory Porsches and the Jags and the Mercedes, you know, all, all of that. It was, it was a good effort. Um, but we, we got to race day at Le Mans. And, of course, Mark's on pole. Um, but I don't think – I think Bailey actually started the race because um, he, he was actually the lead driver. Um, but the other car, uh, uh, we'd got – because we, obviously we got three drivers per car for Le Mans. I think it was Bailey, Blundell and Brancatelli in the one car. And it was Aitchison, Donnelly and Griard in the second car. Um, of course, the, the, the race goes off. Um, sorry, no, the, 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 the warm-up lap starts and we've got our headphones on and that and um, we suddenly hear, as, as the cars are coming round to the start, you know, to take the, take the rolling start, Kenny Aitchison suddenly comes on in our headphones saying, I've got no fecking drive, the Irish guy that he is. <laughs> and anyway, he got to... He got into the pit pit lane entrance. Well, it's on a bit of a slope at Le Mans, and his 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 gearbox had gone, and he was probably twenty yards away from the white line for the pit lane entrance. So consequently, we weren't allowed to go and pull the car in because it's still on the circuit. It's still on the circuit, so yeah. he couldn't push the car you know, up up the slope. I mean, it was full of fuel and all the rest. Uh, it was just too heavy for him. So it, it, we had to retire the car there and then. And I think I think what happened was they changed the gearbox overnight. And I'm pretty sure that the gearbox oil had been left out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, it was enough to maybe get round one lap with a gear gearbox grinding and that. But there was after that, it was uh, it was curtains. So, I re- I remember Greyard and Donnelly because uh, I don't think I think Greyard had probably done about two laps in the car on the on the nighttime quality, you know, practice sort of on the Wednesday yeah. night and that. He'd done about two laps. Well, he was he was off and away from the circuit within about you know two minutes and um and Mar- martin martin was the same well obviously a couple of months later martin had that horrific accident at a race in the lotus um but yeah so so that was that was 1990 and uh and once again we get to the end of it and nissan motorsports decided that um because the rules were changing for group c in 91 it wasn't where Nissan wanted to be, so they pulled out. Um, so we're back to the, you know. So you're out of work again. You're out of work again. You know, it's it, it's it's just an occupational hazard of this game, uh, or it seemed to be back 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 when I was doing it. But um, anyway, 
over the winter, Dave Price, because he was out of work as well, and he, but of course David got um, DPS composite, so they they were building like the chassis and what have you for lots of other cars, but including the, the Mercedes Group C team. Um, but David been offered to head up the Yamaha F1 efforts with Brabham. Right, right. Uh, sorry, no, no, not the Yamaha one. He was he was team manager at Brabham. That's right. Well, anyway, Dave gave Dave gave me a call and he says, "Ed, he says, uh, do you fancy running the the Yamaha engine truck?" And uh, it, you know, obviously back on F1, so off I, off I went. And um, Yamaha had taken this fabulous facility down in. Um, in Milton Keynes, which had actually been the Aston Martin Group C factory. Um, but Yamaha took this on. And it was a the company was called Ypsilon Technology. And they were actually um, helping to develop the Yamaha F1 road car. And that was being built there, which, you know, again, not too many people probably know about that one. But it was um, it was a car that Yamaha wanted to to build to almost like compete with the McLaren. Um, but they were going to put a, a detuned um, V twelve V twelve engine in it. Um, but knowing how many times our engines blew up, I mean, you probably wouldn't have got to the paper shop in the thing, you know. With it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have got but, to Tesco's. Uh, 